So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, we're here finally for The Clone Wars. It is here. The Clone Wars is here, and while they're ramping up slowly as we knew they would, and which we want because we wanted to keep getting better and more epic, The Clone Wars is back. It is back, baby. And I failed completely and utterly, as Jedi Geek Girl, who joins me tonight, knows, because of back and health problems. I failed completely to watch it until today, but I got two watchings in, and I was very pleased with what I saw for our first episode with Rex and the Clones. Jedi Geek Girl, it's great to have you in. I hope we do a, a weekly wrap-up on these. I think most of them are going to be more quickie-length until we get to Ahsoka, and then they're definitely not going to be quickie-length. But for the moment, I think they'll be quickie-length. But I think, as I welcome you in, we have to do a little bit of lore setup for where we are for the average watcher uh, tonight. And so this one's going to be a little bit longer, at least in the beginning, as I let you sort of introduce like where we are, how we got here, and so forth. Um, between episode, uh, season five and season six, guys, I just released obviously the season five final episodes of the Clone Wars with Simi. It's doing very well. Thank you very much. Um, and today, Geek Girl and I are going to talk about big and small issues relating to the Clone Wars. In addition to these awesome new episodes with Jedi Geek Girl, we got the Bad Batch, which we knew was coming. And I'm always a fan of like giving us the thing we know is coming uh, first. So then we are not really sure what's going on down the pike. I have the names of the next few episodes and maybe some possible themes for them but this one was going to be all about the clones as we get back into uh, the clones and the republic in general losing more and more and more as is part of the whole plan we are going to get to that First of all, it is an absolute thrill after all of these years to have you here as we talk about the clone wars so first of all Jedi Geeko welcome to the Bizzlecast Thank you so much, as always. It is an honor being on, and I cannot wait to talk about this episode and other episodes. Yes, I would like to do a weekly recap on all these episodes, and all I have to say is finally, 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 we have good Star Wars content. I will give it to Disney. The fact that they are sticking with the Clone Wars saved motif, because, the you know, it, it was it, beyond controversial. It was almost mean to some people that they just canned the Clone Wars as one of their first things that they did was canning the Clone Wars now with the Rebels and then bringing back Ahsoka almost immediately in sort of historical hindsight. There was a grand plan, and with Filoni in place, there was always a grand plan. And I've been giving Kathleen and, and Star Wars a very hard time of it, obviously, the last couple months, and I know you would agree for the reasons why I have, and you guys can listen to the podcast, but Jedi Geek Girl, it is kind of cool. They've stuck with hashtag Clone Wars saved, right? And, and so there is a feeling of 
reconciliation, revisitation, um, uh, and but uh, you know, for for those of us who aren't the, the oh, I want this, I want that, and if I don't get it, fuck you, crowd. We're just thrilled to be getting more of the thing that we love so much in the Clone Wars. Opening thoughts, Jedi Geek Girl. I think it is so amazing that after so long we get to finally see the conclusion of the Clone Wars. Obviously, when it was announced that the Clone Wars was canceled, at the time I wasn't really a big Star Wars fan. I was kind of casual. I wasn't up to date on the Clone Wars, so that really didn't hit me. It kind of sucks looking back that it ended with season five and we missed out on a potential two or three seasons. But I also realized that it is because of cancellation that we got Rebels and maybe a little bit of resistance. I think if the Clone Wars continued, things would look a little bit different. I know Dr. Saipo was originally going to be a story in season six or season seven. And I love the book and I love the Clone Wars, but I think it was more powerful as a book. That being said, I want as many Clone Wars as episodes we could have gotten in that period of time but i have to say that i am so happy that not only is there more clone wars but i'm so happy for david filoni because he gets to finish his story and not many people get to do that on a canceled show and too many people when they get that canceled show brought back they squander the opportunity and i david filoni's not going to do that he's going to tell a story he's going to make a punctuation he's not going to continue it this is this is the end for it and he's going out without a bang and as a fan i'm so excited and like i said it is so 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 great after the mandalorian no hate on the mandalorian by the skywalker hate on the skywalker that there's finally i have to say that the clone was going back and rewatching it and now that we got new episodes it has been very healing for my fandom and i'm so so excited like this is my, one of my favorite things when it comes to star wars right up there with the prequel trilogy yeah if you guys get a chance to if you haven't watched the uh simi and may doing the final four episodes of season five with ahsoka getting blamed for the murder stupidly by the jedi council who's all up their own ass and is being affected by the virgins and corset and all this stuff and ahsoka's the absolute last person that they should blame for something like that and uh as a geek girl uh something i want to throw out is just some, a, to- a, a topic for, throughout this season is you know for all of the billions of people who were murdered mercilessly and unnecessarily in the Clone Wars. It's actually Palpatine overthrowing the the Jedi Council that is the nail in the coffin, I think. Um, uh, because of their role as protectors and, you know, what they represent in terms of, you know, moral and spiritual guides. The fact that, you know, he was able to get billions of people to fight other billions of people for no reason and them all to kill each other, that happens all the time and that's horrifying and certainly leads to a lot of destruction and, and misery in the galaxy, but it was the overthrow um, behind the scenes of the Jedi Council that I, I think was the, was the true end and, you know, I, I feel strongly that you know i've i've used the word corrective when it comes to the clone wars and anakin not because hayden is bad but because the clone wars fills in all the things we think hayden christensen's uh anakin was doing during uh, between two and three 
being actually a great Jedi and saving lots of people's lives, but also the fact that they didn't really sell great enough, in my opinion, that Padme would be the reason, along with the Emperor, for him to do all the stuff he did, but Ahsoka going through what she did in the accusations would be the thing to make him mistrust the Jedi Council, um, and in a way, he loves her. I've made the Witcher comparison. Again, you know, you guys will see this more next season, but as much as Geralt and Yennefer love each other romantically, Yennefer loves Ciri as a daughter more than he loves Yennefer or anybody, and I feel that way about Anakin with, with, uh, with Ahsoka. It's not that he loves Ahsoka, you know, more than Padme. It's very different, but I, I think it is ultimately in the new um, with the new edition of the Clone Wars that we got. And I want to talk to you before we get started, guys, today about Season 5 and Season 6, specifically sort of the logistics of the Clone Wars and how, you know, they got through 5 officially, but there was sort of the lost episodes, which are canon, and have some cool episodes like Yoda and so forth. Um, and have just Jagiko sort of set up where, where we are today. But I thought it was... Well, let me put it this way. Uh, calling into corrective isn't doing it justice. It adds substance to a great level. I know we don't have Ahsoka yet, but we have to bring it in. That the, the fact that Anakin is so horrified by the accusations uh, of and, and treatment towards Ahsoka by the Council in those last episodes of Season 5, for me, is what really threw him over the edge uh, when, when you put everything else into canon. And it actually works great with the character. I mean, you know, we know Hayden Christensen's Anakin didn't know about Ahsoka, quote-unquote, you know, in 2005 in Revenge of the Sith, but if you put that in there sort of mentally, both with the character and then with us as the audience, right, it actually starts making a lot more sense. Before I go any further, I yes. do want to acknowledge that I was listening to the last episode when you threw me underneath the bus, and I want to say <laughs> you were right about me coming back to yeah. the Star Wars, and it has to do, like I said, with the Clone Wars, and a lot of that has to do with bringing it back to the topic that we're talking about, the Clone Wars. It has a lot to do with that relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka, not to mention Maul, Mandalore, all these other things about the Clone Wars. The great thing about the clone was is i don't like the word corrective because it says that there's flaws with yeah. the prequel trilogy i think the execution is poor yes but i also recognize those story beats for what they are they're supposed to be the high marks of the journey of anakin not so much the t- details and i really am appreciative of that because if the clone if the prequel trilogy were as detailed as what some fans may have wanted in them i don't think we would have gotten the clone wars that the way that we did and the great thing about the Clone Wars is is that they enrich not only the prequel trilogy but the whole saga and in my opinion and I'm biased because I'm a prequel trilogy fan it creates the most depth and enrich air in Star Wars and that is the prequel trilogy air compared to any other air because with the original trilogy air it's kind of like black and white yeah they're just gray but in the clone wars it's such it's so much larger than the galactic civil war the galactic civil war is yeah the rebellion and the empire but those two sides are not the same as the separatists and the republic that war is not only galaxy spanning but it encompasses trillions and billions like it affects 
every system and you don't get that with the galactic civil war you have little packet pockets of rebellion and you do have a galactic rebellion rebellion against the empire but it's not on the same scale and same with the sequel trilogy at the clone wars and i think some people lose track of that and as you can tell i'm fangirling over this and i absolutely love it and bringing it back to the topic that we're talking about here the Clone Wars ended, like you said, with the ending, with the leaving of Ahsoka, Maul being captured by Sidious, you had Order 66 being discovered by the Jedi. The Jedi discovered that Count Dooku created the clones, yet they push it underneath the rug and hide it instead of trying to confront the issues because they were in it, they were stuck between a political rock and a hard place where they couldn't without making a, a big mess they, 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 they were forced into that situation and each season got better and better and better since season three of the clone wars and while that is true season six while it was the final season the the last episodes released on netflix after the cancellation it wasn't really a finale per se because you still had threads loose and that would be ahsoka yeah you had the finale of her walking away but with season seven you're actually going to see her story being tied up properly and that's something that season six you had all these good episodes you had the yoda arc you had the order 66 arc you had the death of mother Talzin, you had the jedi order discovering the order of the clone troopers but that wasn't a quote-unquote finale and the great thing about this upcoming season or this season proper is we're not only going to see that but it's going to lead right into and run concurrently with revenge of the sith which is awesome so a couple things before we move forward and we'll talk about this episode uh a little bit more set up to the episode but we'll get to the episode uh when jenny geek girl says throwing her under the bus first of all jenny geek girl when you get thrown under the bus of the bizzle cast is the ultimate sign of respect uh because i throw myself under the bus constantly and it, it just shows that I'm listening, but also that people are interested in your point of view. And so there's a community of us. I throw Alistair under the bus constantly. He gives me a hard time about that. I throw Simi under the bus whenever it comes to Raylo and stuff like that. So, you know, everyone gets thrown under the bus. So the Geek Girl got thrown under the bus uh, ostensibly because... Star Wars was essentially dead to her after Rise of Skywalker, which I didn't blame you for, and we, we didn't even do podcasts after all that, you know? I mean, we talked about The Mandalorian a little bit, but for the most part, we just ignored all of it. God, I can't imagine where you were if you totally hated The Mandalorian on top of totally hating Rise of Skywalker, um, which, by the way, guys, just to restate, Episode 9, to quote Charles Barkley, was terrible, 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 terrible. It was... It was terrible and terrible and more terrible. It was a horrible, horrible movie. Um, and so it's hard for me to blame you. But I knew there was no way with your love of Star Wars that you, you know, I, I knew you'd go on hiatus for a couple months and explore some other things. And I got you exploring The Witcher during that time. So I win again. Woo! 
um, that the Witcher would be the thing, but I knew you would come back with the Clone Wars with Ahsoka and the clones and so forth. I too, Jedi Geek Girl, was not in the Star Wars fandom. Not only was I not in the Star Wars fandom during the Clone Wars period, but once I saw Revenge of the Sith, which was like okay in the theaters my first time, I'm like, I'm done with Star Wars. And until the announcement in 2014 of The Force Awakens and the build-up in 2015 and then the watching of Force Awakens and then, of course, Rogue One, which was over 10 years apart from Revenge of the Sith, I was basically out of the Star Wars fandom. As I've said, guys, I jump off of the bandwagon when it's convenient for me, and I'm sick of it, and I jump back on. Um, uh, but, Jedi Geek Girl, I, I do also want to restate that as much as I have trashed Episode Nine and admitted my complete and utter failure of lack of foresight, I, I, I'm like Yoda being worked by the Dark Side Virgins and Coruscant when it came to Episode Nine. My brain was completely scrambled. I thought there was no way J.J. wasn't going to make that movie at least good and fun and entertaining. So I was completely wrong on that. The Mandalorian... You know, I was sort of getting more skeptical as it came along and found myself very early not enjoying it. Um, Even though I keep talking to regular Americans, quote unquote, who like The Mandalorian or who are enjoying it. So whatever. God bless them. Um, And so, you know, so I was way wrong on episode nine. But I never stopped being excited about this. Okay, Uh, to get back to the Clone Wars. I never stopped being excited about the Clone Wars because it's our girl Ahsoka. And we love Anakin, Obi-Wan and the clones. and all this and Maul and, and you know this is a Rogue One situation where we know where this is leading with the Siege of Mandalore. There's enough lore between the Ahsoka book, what's been said, what Filoni's talked about, and things like that. There's not a ton. There's enough lore where while we don't know exactly how it's going to go down, we know it's going to go down with the clones and Ahsoka versus Maul and his people and the Siege of Mandalore uh, and, and all this. Just like in Rogue One, we knew it was about the Death Star plans, but we didn't know how they would get there or anything like that to me that's very liberating and very fun but to circle back i i just knew that that i i well, let me put it this way i didn't know i hoped that you would come back uh for for this series and why don't we jump into tonight's episode the bad batch which we knew would be early on um i, I was a little surprised that they immediately called it the bad batch and introduced it as the bad batch in the first episode with a tiny bit of anakin looking sexier than usual i will give props to the animation team uh everything looks great you know it, it, it looks a little i thought there was going to be jaggy girl more of a blend of clone wars and rebels style at the moment it's definitely more just upgraded clone wars style which i'm fine with and, and we'll but i think when we see ahsoka and maul we're going to see more of a blend because ahsoka and maul in the rebels is very iconic but like you i was not in, very invested in star wars around the time of the clone wars and uh, as I've said before on the podcast, but I'll just restate very quickly, it wasn't until Rogue One that I went and was like, wow, I hear this Rebels series is great and leads up to Rogue One. So I went back to Rebels after Rogue One, and then I went back to the Clone Wars after Rebels. So I went completely in reverse with everything. And while I love Clone Wars, and I love the sort of three, four, five episode arcs, especially with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka, which is most of them, 
the battling and the warfare between robots and clones can get very, very old and tiring for me very, very quickly. And I just prefer my sort of science fiction more like the Firefly version, you know, rebel, pirate, lovable space crew that we got with the rebel ghost crew. I like the animation style of Rebels better. I like the writing of the characters better. It's much closer to the modern trilogy. It leads up to Rogue One. It's got Saw Gerrera and characters like that. And so for me, I've always been more of a Rebels guy than a Clone Wars guy. Nevertheless, it did not stop my excitement for what was going on with this series. So with that being said, with 12 episodes, starting with the Bad Batch and seeing the Bad Batch by name and and getting this sort of, you know, partnership slash conflict between the clones that we know and the ones that we don't, what was your feeling about the introduction of the long-awaited Bad Batch uh, which I- I'm thrilled for my, you know, Star Wars nerdy friends who love the Bad Batch already. In principle, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys got it. It was cool. It's definitely what I'm, it's not what I'm waiting for with this series, but I thought they executed it pretty well. I have some more questions about the general, uh, timeline of things, but just for me to shut up and you start talking, what was your general impression of this first episode of The Clone Wars Returns? It was freaking damn good good. i am not like you into the whole clone part when it comes to episodes centered around the clones like the quell arc you bind arc with the uh the clones having to subjugate to a new commander and that commander kind of manipulating it and they have to turn on him for you i'm doing a poor job of explaining it but it's one of the most popular episodes rookies the 99 thing when it comes to the clone wars i love the episodes on the clo- the clones but they're not my jam i'm more drawn to the mystical stories and I, stuff like that that's, i didn't so, say that at all i said that i got tired of that stuff Okay. Yeah. Well, neither I'm to with say, you. I'm with you on this. Uh, we love the clones, but it can get tiresome. I- I'm with you. Right, but that being said, whenever you had episodes around the clones, they were always good. Like I said, you had the Yubine arc, you had the Order 66 arc, you had the Rookie's arc. They're good episodes. I love them, but like I said, it just isn't my, my jam. But, but anyways, that being said, I sat down... And I've heard this said by many others, and I agree. It's like the Clone Wars never left. It felt it felt like yeah. you could watch the previous six seasons and watch this one, and they fit nicely. The only difference, obviously, is it looked way better than what it did in epi- uh, season six, and that is because you know time passed, you know techniques have improved, and this is an episode that if you have been familiar with the Star Wars YouTube and Star Wars.com, it was released as an unfinished episode, so the story was already known out there, so there was no surprises. There was one surprise in it where it was slightly different, but this is not a quote-unquote new story, but it is new for me because I never watched it. I know a little bit about it, and that was just basically that the Bad Batch was a group of clones that had desirable mutations, so for me, it's a whole new episode. I'm not watching them. I'm not finding out details i'm not researching it i'm trying to experience it as a brand new episode 
But at the same time, I also know that, hey, this is an unfinished episode and all these arcs are going to be quote unquote unfinished from the unfinished things. But this was the one of the three arcs that was the farthest along because it had unfinished animation. But yeah, like I said, it was it was like coming home. And I say that as somebody who didn't watch the Clone Wars after season one weekly. So if I feel that way, imagine somebody who watched these episodes weekly for the past five years, when, uh, for the five years that The Clone Wars was airing live, and, and it's absolutely amazing. I, I want to plug the Sky Talkers, because the Sky Talkers did an episode, well, what? breaking down this episode, and they grew up on it. So it was amazing hearing that joy and being able to connect with people who have that joy. A couple things. Uh, so, watching the final four episodes of season five with Simi, which I, I do want you to talk about season six, the lost episodes, because I don't actually love them. Uh, it, but it's also just because for me, the Clone Wars is about Ahsoka, and then it's uh, right below Ahsoka, it's about Anakin and Obi Wan, and that story is pretty much wrapped up for the moment at the end of season five. And so, for me, the flow from season five into what we're going to get in the Siege of Mandalore, into the Ahsoka book, into Fulcrum into Rebels uh, it flows really nicely. I, want, so I do want you to talk about season six at some point because it's a little bizarre and it's called the Lost Episodes for a reason. Uh, but Filoni always imagined what we're seeing as episode seven, uh, season seven, and it's calling season seven. But Jaya Geek Girl, I am here to tell you uh, the first five minutes of the final Ahsoka arc in season five looks a thousand times better than Rise of Skywalker. It looks every bit as good as the opening glorious 30 minutes space battle of Revenge of the Sith. And I don't care what you guys think of the prequel, the opening 30, 40 minute capital ship battle and Anakin infiltrating and so forth. Dooku, blah, 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 is spectacular opening, you know, third of the movie um, in, uh, in uh, Revenge of the Sith in episode three. They specifically are mirroring it in the opening space battle in the final four episodes with Ahsoka and Anakin and Ahsoka having to save Anakin as usual because that's what she does. Uh, she's good at everything and she always wins. Even when she loses, she wins. Um, and uh, I, I you know, the, 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 the word on the street has always been that Lucas dropped about a million bucks out of his pocket per episode of The Clone Wars, which is amazing, um, you know, given that it wasn't a major studio, as usual, and it was just Lucas paying for it. But I'm here to tell you that those final four episodes of The Clone Wars, uh, at least final four of season five that I'm talking about that we did with Ahsoka and the Jedi Council and the murder and so forth, those look like three to five million dollar episodes to me. That whole thing looks like a giant movie that must have cost $20 million, is my guess. Um, and so, actually, having just watched episode 17 to 20 of, of season 5, and then tonight, it's not that tonight looked under-budgeted, but let me just say that the end of season 5 was, oh, was over-budgeted compared to what I remembered and looked absolutely spectacular. And so, while there are some improvements in the technology and the upgrades and Disney+, Plus. Now, you know, Disney's behind everything, and so they're throwing money at it, and that's that's great. Uh, but I do want to give a shout-out to Dave Filoni and the entire Lucasfilm team 
Oh, that already in season five between the Maul arc and the Baby Jedi arc and the Ahsoka and the Jedi Council and the Barris uh, Asajj Ventress arc really looks like a plus movie uh, theater quality material to me. Uh, and, and so, just from a looks and standpoint, uh, look standpoint, and fireworks, sta- you know, a standpoint of special effects, tonight actually fits pretty well with what I just watched at the end of season five for me. Yeah, I I watched those episodes as well, like you, except I did it a couple of days before watching season seven. And like I said, it fits, but obviously you can tell that the quality is a lot better. And it seems like the shots are a lot more cinematic. Like when the war news break, the intro to the episode, when Tom King does his intro, Right away, it caught my attention because you had the, you had him talking. He was giving the rundown to the plot. And whenever Tom King did that, it usually flashes moments of episodes in the future, past, currently. However, in this one, one of the techniques that really stuck out to me is instead of doing a shot, they had a trench in the background, kind of like fading a little bit, like he wasn't exactly bright but it was like on top of him or something and that's something i don't recall seeing in the clone wars episodes and right away i knew i was in for a higher quality episode in terms of animation because i don't recall seeing that shot and another shot that i would like to point out that is is in the beginning you have a very long shot as a ship comes in or something like that i don't that's something that was, I think, used towards the end of the Clone Wars, the original run. But I, I know that it really stuck out to me and it really blew me away. Maybe if it wasn't exactly new when it comes to the Clone Wars, but it, it really grabbed my attention because it, it felt like it was like one step above. And not, not that it was poor before, but you, you can really tell. Okay, well, you guys can watch and, and make your own judgments, but either in the very first scene, as Ahsoka's pulling Anakin out of the cockpit as he's unconscious, and just in the background, completely gratuitous, there's a giant capital ship battle going on in the sky that you don't even need in the scene, but they're like, yep, let's throw another capital ship battle in the sky as we're going. The camera is incredibly dynamic. Ahsoka, for me, in those final episodes, looks and sounds better than any other Ahsoka. You know, generally, I, I hold that Ahsoka in Rebels is superior to Ahsoka in Clone Wars. I'm not going to deviate from that, and we'll see what happens here, but the, what Ashley Eckstein d- does with a deeper voice, uh, more mature Ahsoka, but just the look of Ahsoka in the final Season 5 episodes, for me, looks as cinematic as, as anything you're going to see out there. Whatever. You guys so, can see it. So really quickly, just hold on, just to redirect this, uh, 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 or start redirecting this, which is, I I don't want to cast aspersions on season six too much, because I know you like it, and a lot of people like it. I don't like those storylines. They feel like world building that's not really moving things forward. And the bottom line is, if you just watched the first five seasons and jumped into tonight's or the you know this weekend's episode, you would be absolutely fine without the Yoda stuff and without the Jar Jar romance weirdness. Let's be honest. 
Okay, so to be fair, the Jojo romance thing is only two episodes, and those two episodes serve the story purpose of showing how, not, you know, because Mother Charlton doesn't die until the comic series, but, you know, the, the, those episodes, those lost episodes had the match. You're, you're right, they do feel a little bit disconnected. They feel like lost episodes, like the name of the chapter, you know, that that's what they're called. They feel like they're a little disconnected compared to the last five one, but they 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 are good in their own right, and they do deserve the purpose. They they are quite quite fine episodes, but you're absolutely right. You don't need to watch them diving in. And another thing about the animation, I would like to say is is this the the bad batch series of episodes. These this episode and the next three episodes, and they were quite far along in the animation. So I think that obviously they could improve on the animation and change, you know add little things here and there, but. The Siege of Mandalore and maybe the next arc will be from the ground up. Like the plot was like uh, outlined it, but the animation wasn't done yet. So I think you'll probably see another step up when it comes to the animation. And then the next episode, especially the Siege of Mandalore, they're going all out on the Siege of Mandalore. You think the Mandalorian Civil War was beautiful? The Siege of Mandalorian is going to blow that away uh, because... They uh, they this is the this is them going out, and they're going to throw all the money, effort, and skill into it to make it the best ever because this is the final note. Kind of like how I would say Revenge of the Sith is compared to the other prequel trilogy for movies, because at the time, it was the last Star Wars film that Lucas was going to do at the time. So um. Yeah, but 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 like you said, you don't. Yeah, you you're perfectly fine ending in season five, but I don't think do think those episodes are worth the watch. So it's like it's like Tom Bombadil in the in the Lord of the Rings, or you know, or you know, like some of this. Like it's great world building if you love the story, but it's not central key to what's going on with our main characters in the main storyline, which is totally fine. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it does answer some key questions that maybe some people have, but it doesn't serve the purpose of what the Clone Wars is. And if you have to boil it down to one character, mm-hmm. one story, mm-hmm. one singular thing, it would be Ahsoka's story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ahsoka did leave the Jedi Order, but that wasn't the end of her story. It's so great. Every time I see the last five minutes... The Jedi Council is begging for her forgiveness. They want to give her a promotion. And she just does the Ahsoka version of fuck you, fuck you, and did I say fuck you? Because I'm leaving. Oh, also, fuck you. Um, it's it, it, it's such an unbelievable, forget female empowerment, it's just an unbelievable version of empowerment by such a young person such as her. Now, there, I have plenty of theories that, you know, she was already starting to get her, you know, prophetic uh, readings, that, that there was other reasons she should leave other than the fact that they just backstabbed her and now want her back all of a sudden. It also saved her life, although we'll see that she comes back as basically a good Samaritan with no obligation to come back to fight the Siege of Mandalore. I'm very excited, Jackie Girl, to see what she says when she comes back and the Rex and Anakin are like, why did you come back? And it, it, I hope she doesn't say something like it was the right thing to do. But if she does, I would totally believe it because she's Ahsoka fucking Tano, and that's what she does. 
Um, and you know, uh, she, but she could have stayed out of this whole thing. Uh, and she, you know, and, and you guys should read the book. And she goes on the run, and blah blah blah. The lightsabers, whatever. You guys can get all of that, um, or or what. But her just giving the giant fuck you to the Jedi Council was exactly what needed to happen. And again, I, I when I said this to me at the beginning of our commentary to the Geek Girl for episode seventeen to twenty of season five was of all the brilliant artistic uh, or literary strokes of those episodes the smartest uh just from a structural character standpoint was having anakin on her side from moment one until the end and him seething further and further with anger and rage inside as he witnessed what was going on but he never doesn't believe her even when he tries to like take a crew out to quote unquote track her down you know he's doing it just to find her and he wants to help her he brings Padme in to try and defend her and I think that was absolutely the right move for Anakin but in terms of the writing uh, um, within the story but also you know the, the writers themselves in, in sort of the process to have him believe her and on her side the whole time because it makes the whole thing even more heartbreaking when she walks away. Absolutely. And the, the beauty of those episodes is, is since Ahsoka was introduced, the fan was like, okay, she has to die. There, there's no way she could survive. And one of the great things I love about David Filoni is he looks at this story he looks at this character and he's like no she doesn't have to die for the story and he does so in such a way that makes sense and it's a way that i absolutely love david filoni for is because it is easy to look at the narratives of these stories and be like okay so-and-so has to do this because other material says this it's like no it doesn't explicitly says that you can still have it hurts anakin more that Ahsoka would walk away on her own free will than her dying, I think, because that feels more personal. That yeah. feels more, I don't want to say it's more of a betrayal, but it, it hurts more. It, it's like He begs you, her to stay. Let's just be, exactly. let's be clear. He begs her to stay. And she tells him no. Yep. You know, and that that really, really hurts. If you think about it in real world terms, it's kind of like a, a breakup or whatever. If you, you you would equate that to a real life relationship, obviously I don't have experience when it comes to somebody dying and compared to somebody telling you no. But yeah, it it just shows the brilliance of David Filoni. And Ahsoka does have to show go through Order sixty six, but mm-hmm. she won't be blindsided by it at least. Mm-hmm. And she obviously she survives because we see her in Rebels and stuff like that. But that is what I love David Filoni for is he has these characters. Look at what he did with Maul. Look at what he did with Ventress. Yeah, Ventress did eventually die, but not after growing. Best as a female character. bad guy character ever in Star Wars. I I I, I there's rumors she's going to be in this. I hope she is. I, I, she, she might be because spoiler, alert, she does die in Dark Disciple, but I don't know when Dark Disciple takes place. Um, compared to the episode, she might already be dead. Um, but that doesn't mean she couldn't appear as a hologram or a flashback or something like that. She actually, she, she, because she did meet 
Yeah, she, she might be in it. Not the Siege of Mandalore, obviously, but the next one where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. Yeah, because I think it takes place right after she leaves. So, yeah, she might be in it. That would be so awesome because I love Asajj Ventress. But, no, yeah, because I, I think too often some creators look at the easy way out instead of what David Filoni did. And I know some people give him crap because he doesn't quote-unquote kill his characters. But what? when they do die when they do move on to the next stage of their life, they, they have relevancy. When he killed Maul, or when Maul died, it had a lot of relevance to the character, to his story, to Maul's story. It, it had gravity. It didn't just happen because, quote-unquote, he had to die before the original trilogy. So, and same, you know, same with Kanan. Same with Ezra and Thrawn. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's why I love David Filoni as a creative. First of all, it's not totally up to David Filoni about who he kills. Second of all, Marvel never kills anybody. And with the time loop now in Marvel, why can't we bring Tony Stark and Natasha back to life by going back in time? We've already fucking done it before. So, there's no stakes in the Marvel. The death of Kanan, there was really stakes. It took me a while to realize why Ezra couldn't try and save Kanan in the world between worlds, but it's because the the sacrifice itself uh, removed would have thrown off the timeline, as opposed to uh, Ezra pulling Ahsoka out from the past into the future. And yes, it's time travel, people. Just accept it. There's time travel on Star Wars. It's fine. It's Ahsoka. She's the one that can do it. And we're going to see it again. And that's fine. She's the White Wizard Gandalf. She's actually way beyond the White Wizard Gandalf. Um, but we're not, we're not at Ahsoka yet. Um, but yeah, Jay Geekro, but uh, I mean, you know, I, let's be honest. Star Wars in general has killed way more made characters, uh, uh, exhibit a rogue one than Marvel has ever killed and will ever kill. Uh, and so I'm not going to give Star Wars a hard time about killing main characters. No, 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 that, that, that's not the point. The point I'm trying to say is, is Ahsoka shouldn't be alive at the end of Revenge of the Sith because of Order 66, but David Filoni proved that to be wrong. Maul was brought back, and not only did he survive up until the twin sons, but he had relevancy, he had points, he wasn't killed because he wasn't around. That doesn't mean that Rogue One, the characters had to live, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is they, they, they instead of the death serving the plot, the, the plot, no, no, what I'm talking, the deaths had value, they wouldn't happen because it, it had to be that way. And, and with the time travel thing, you bring that up and you always draw on it and when it comes to that all I have to say is what matters is what David Filoni says on the matter and we're not going to get into that but that's that's the last thing I have to say about that before we move on but more positive things let's move back into the episode please I, I know what David Filoni has said but when you have a character go from season four to season two, which is clearly into past and to carry the character in from what we know is in the past into the future. That is time travel. His Dave, Dave Filoni's comments have to do with sort of traditional time travel structures like the John Connor time loop or whatever and Terminator. That's what they're not going after. His whole point is that the world between worlds is, is a time and space 
thing, and you know, you're you're moving between places as much as you're moving between times. Uh, but you know, artists can say what they want. You know, for I mean, you know, the 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 writer of The Witcher sometimes says that he loves what they're doing, and he sometimes says that he hates what they're doing. You know, artists can say what they want with their material, but you just look at it and you say, okay, Ezra went back to episode to season two and pulled Ahsoka into season four. That's time travel. Uh, whether she does it again, I don't know. Now he had a chance also to potentially quote unquote save Kanan or reach out to Kanan. That was also uh, uh, another door in the world between the worlds. And you know, uh, time is just another uh, dimension of space. And you know, if you can travel between the dimensions of of, of space, you can also travel between the dimensions of time. It doesn't really matter, other than to prove how powerful Ahsoka is. Um, and I, I think, you know, avoiding time travel, among other things, is just going to keep limiting, uh, what, what Star Wars can and can't do. And this is going to bring up, I do want to talk a little bit about this episode. This was a straight up military episode. The Bad Batch was fine. They're your typical crazy Navy SEALs team going in. They're always going to win and we're the best and we're the strongest and blah, blah, blah. But you know, it was well acted and well written, and so I'm fine with it. Um, and we can talk a little about, about the episode. Um, but the bottom line is, Jedi Girl, we keep drawing from the beginning of the dark times and uh, sort of the end of the Clone Wars until Episode Four, and we're getting it again here, and we're getting it again with Cassian, and I'm assuming we're eventually going to get it with, with Obi Wan. And so I hate to be Debbie Downer here as Clone Wars is back and it's glorious and we're happy, but again, this points to a giant, giant, giant problem in Star Wars, which is they cannot figure how to make interesting stories that don't take place between Episode 2 and Episode 4. Prove me wrong on this. I give the Clone Wars a pass because it's finishing. It's not a new project. You know, so I'm not as... I'm not saying you're wrong because you're right, but I give the Clone Wars a free pass just because it was an unfinished product. Uh, and they're finishing it now. But again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just I just give the Clone Wars a pass. Is what I'm saying. Well, no, it, it's not an accusation of the Clone Wars because I, I love this period. I love the Dark Times period. I love this, and I love Rebels, and I love Rogue One. I mean, these are my favorite properties. I don't love the new saga movies as much because I, you know, as we've seen, other than Bloodline and a little bit of stuff between Kylo Ren and Rey, there's really nothing that interesting from Return of the Jedi until the end of Episode Nine, including the Mandalorian. Sorry, people, we still haven't gotten anything really that interesting from end of six to the end of nine as snoke was a big mistake the emperor coming back was a big mistake we don't have to rehash all of this that's not interesting what's interesting is the dark times my favorite thing was star wars last year jedi fallen order which i'm replaying right now An amazing star wars story takes place during the dark times by the way, Jenny Geek Girl, why is that not Ahsoka? Well, the reason it's not Ahsoka, uh, even though I love my ginger baby, is because David Filoni and Ashley Eckstein are incredibly, incredibly possessive of the character of Ahsoka, and they should be, and I understand that. Uh, but Disney refusing to put Ahsoka in obvious places like giant video games or live-action movies where they would print money with a character like her uh, is just proving more and more problems. And I, I, I have to say that... It, 
as flawless as it looks like the Clone Wars series is going to be, um, in terms of lacking flaws. Um, I, I don't know if I'm sensing transcendence with this series, and when you point to the fact that we think Cassian is filming this year, but we're not totally sure, and the Obi-Wan series is up in the air... I, 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 I'm a little worried about this Star Wars situation because, again, they keep falling back on the same things. Clone Wars Returns. I mean, look, now we're getting into nostalgia meets nostalgia, right? I mean, Star Wars is already playing on this our nostalgia no matter what already. Now with the Clone Wars save, it's playing on nostalgia of nostalgia. And, you know, Cassian with Rogue One, nostalgia, nostalgia. Obi-Wan is like three levels of nostalgia, um, and eventually, you know, Baby Yoda, etc., the nostalgia is going to cannibalize itself and just stop being interesting and fun. It's already stopped being interesting and fun to me. The Clone Wars is interesting and fun to me because I love these characters, and while I know where this story is going, I'm very excited to see it physically manifested. It should be said, th- this Bad Batch series is at least four episodes long out of 12, and then there's an episode called Gone with a Trace, and then Deal No Deal in episodes 5 and 6, which I, it doesn't sound like Ahsoka episodes. I don't, I'm starting to think we're only going to get four episodes of the Siege of Mandalore, which I think is a huge mistake. The thing that could save this is that they are actually building towards the Siege of Mandalore with the clone stories uh, sort of subtly, piece by piece, um, but if it's a clean break between eight non-Siege of Mandalore episodes and then four Siege of Mandalore episodes, I think that would be a huge mistake. Okay, so when I said earlier that there was one major change through the Bad Batch episode, this particular episode, when asked about it, uh, before I go into what that change was, in David Filoni and Lucasfilm, they did this, a screening of the Bad Batch, uh, the four episodes, and he talked about how he changed some things in these episodes to fit the narrative of the season, and the season will have a whole narrative. And the change that was made is when Rex talks to Anakin about the battle droids hacking the battle plan, having an, an, uh, a, an anagram, the, a, a calculation, they were, they were figuring it out in the unreleased version of the episode, the unfinished episode, Rex brought up that he thought it was Echo. In this episode, he holds it to himself and it cuts to a scene that was added. I do think that all 12 episodes are going to connect and they're going to play a part into the conclusion and build to it, but it's going to be very subtle in these first four episodes because these four first four episodes were done. As far as only having four episodes of season Mandalore, it's very possible that it could be six episodes. I'm just not as down on it for you because it's going to build into the conclusion. I think these four episodes are going to factor, they're going to build Rex up because obviously we know Rex takes his chip out. We know this from Rebels. And in the next four episodes, we know, we know that this is going, that those four episodes are going to be Ahsoka, about Ahsoka after she leaves the Jedi Order and discovering herself because she has no resources. She has no money. She's out on her own. And then the final four episodes is going to be about the Siege of Mandalore. These 
12 episodes are going to interconnect and they're going to build towards the conclusion. And it's very possible that we could have six episodes of the season Mandalore. But even if we still have four, it's not like these eight, eight, eight episodes are going to be disconnected. I hear what you're saying, but this is also Disney+. Plus. They are not hardwired into every episode being the same length. The original Clone Wars episodes were about 22-23 minutes, and this past one was about 25. They added two minutes. So if we factor that in, that doesn't mean to say that the next, the final four episodes will be a half an hour each. They could be uh, half an hour, half an hour, 40 minutes an hour, for all we know. So I'm not as down on that because we saw this with The Mandalorian. We saw that each episode was they had a variance to it when it came to how long they were. So I just wait and see for me. And David Filoni did say himself that did it's, it's, it's one story. Yep. And uh, I, I, I do want to walk something back that I said about season six, which is the opening of season six about the mental glitching of some of the droids who start activating uh, pre-order Clone 66. Yeah, you know me, loving Ghost in the Shell and The Matrix and things like this with AI, Ex Machina, Blade Runner. I love that. Lucas was onto this a long time ago, and to me, my favorite part of Attack of the Clones is when C-3PO gets put onto the droid uh, body. Um, and he says something like, how profane, or, or, or something like that, you know, like... He, like, he, like, he even recognizes how fucked up this, like, AI, you know, uh, mix-up thing is. Uh, and to me, all of that AI stuff is so interesting. And, and I like the time travel. I know that's not the thing that most people are interested in with Star Wars. But to me, the AI clone glitching thing is actually very interesting. And I figured the Bad Batch would introduce uh, or reintroduce some of these themes uh, based on zero evidence. Mostly just based on me wanting more. Uh, because the clone trooper episodes at the beginning of, of season six the last uh, uh, missions or whatever, uh, to me, stick out as much as anything in the series. Yeah, I, I don't think they will revisit the chips again, but we do know that not necessarily Vex knows about them, but we do know that there is an understanding that something went wrong and something's not right. So I don't necessarily see that particular plot point being picked up because that story was told, but we will see the effects of it. Like that scene when Rex looks at all the, the clones that have fallen heavy, Echo, Fives, Five died in that arc and like I said he knows that something's wrong and he doesn't remove his chip it's just a matter of we don't know the circumstances of did he do it after before doing did he have assistance we don't know we also know uh, from this episode that something is going on because Rex would tell Anakin that he think it was Echo so why is he holding it why is he not you know telling him something something's going on there and that that is something new that wasn't in those unreleased arcs so i'm very curious to find out what it was it's just i i'm 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 enjoying the new episodes and it's wonderful because we know the major beats we know the bad bad truck 
we know Ahsoka finding herself, and we know the Siege of Mandalore. We know some details on the Siege of Mandalore, but we don't know all the details, and we don't know all the points. That, like I said, we know Rex removes his chip, but we don't know how. And it, it'll be nice to see this, and, and I'm very excited because I've been through the Clone Wars like many people have, and waiting to see what happens next, even with the, a story that we already know the beats of. If you watch the unfinished episodes, it will have new stuff in it, and I'm really excited because, like, like David said, the, these stories will all playing into each other to lead to the conclusion and I'm curious to find out how it is done and to see it executed because we don't know. Well, I guess uh, just um, for me, um, you know, I was so turned off and uninterested with the initial portrayal of all of the New Zealand droids that looked and sounded the same when I saw episode two in the theater and was horrified by it. Um, and I'm continuing to be horrified by episode two, whatever. I don't want to go there. Um, but I will say that things like what I've been describing episodes you've been talking about and the episodes at the beginning of season six and so forth really flesh out those characters. And honestly, Jedi Geek Girl, for all of the tears shed with the Rex Ahsoka reunion and Ahsoka vs. Maul, blah, 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 seeing how, let's put it this way, the moment when Rex realizes what's going on and somehow takes control of his mind, not just physically cutting out the chip, but realizing that that has to happen and what's going on, to me, that's going to be the dramatic high point of the series. And if they don't nail that, they won't fully have done it justice, in my mind. I think one of the most painful things that's going to happen, and this is probably a spoiler, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen. And we don't know the circumstances of what happened to Rex during Order 66. I think he, 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 I think Order 66 happens to him. I, I think he, I think he turns on Ahsoka, and I think that's going to be the hot, the hot string that. No way. Uh, no hooks. way. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh uh. No way. Yes. Nope, nope, he talks about, because in the Rebels, he talks How, about cutting out know. the chip, did, did, and did Ahsoka Dylan, never stopped believing in him, it, no it, way. It, it, it's never said, it's never said that he removed the chip before Order 66, and David Filoni says, how do you know he didn't do it before? And David Filoni has said this himself, it, it, he's being very coy about this Vex and the chip things. I think maybe Order 66 happened, and maybe he fights it. We don't know, but no, I but don't but we know think- from the Ahsoka book that they fight together against Maul. We know that that happens. Right, but Order 66 will happen when that fight's going on. Well, are you saying it'll happen before or after? Because we know for sure that Ahsoka, when she throws Maul into the force field or whatever, and guys, look at the book, Ahsoka describes shortly and in small bits a little bit what happens with her versus Maul. She wouldn't have been able to pull it off without Rex and a couple of them. And and so maybe they murder some Jedi's, but by the time they're helping Ahsoka, they're helping Ahsoka. Otherwise, she couldn't have done it unless I'm missing something here. One, do you obviously think that David Filoni is going to stick straight in the Ahsoka book? Ahsoka's lightsaber is a green, and we know from the Clone Wars. Well, I think David Filoni is out of control. And I think the biggest problem in Lucasfilm right now is, as much as I love Dave Filoni, 
uh, he needs to get under control uh, by Kathleen Kennedy or somebody else because between his shitty episodes of The Mandalorian and the possessiveness of Ahsoka and, you know, I mean he loves his part of of the star wars universe so much that he's starting to strangulate it and asphyxiate it as far as i can tell so right now i'm a little skeptical at david filoni and wish that kathleen kennedy would clamp down on him a little bit on all this that being said this is his story and he's going to be able to tell what he wants to tell that that is a very interesting perspective on that um do, do we know that he wrote those episodes of The Mandalorian, or was or those written by somebody else? The episodes that he directed of The Mandalorian are terrible. One in, did, I think, six or them? seven. I don't know if he wrote them, but he's a co-executive producer with Jon Favreau, so they're both equally to blame for any shittiness that went on with that. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm hoping... What's happened in The Mandalorian with Filoni is growing pains with live action, and it's going to lead to him getting better. I'm concerned he might not be able to handle it. I think after Rise of Skywalker, I think I'm happy that when it comes to David Filoni and his, what you would call, stranglehold on Ahsoka and his characters, I'm thankful for that because of what I have seen done to other characters. Granted, they were created by J.J., I'm not, you know, but what happens when you have somebody come in and do a narrative that was led on or continued or created by somebody else, and I don't want to see that happen to the Ahsoka character. I don't want to see that happen with Ezra. I don't want to see that happen to Sabine. I have very little faith in somebody else coming in and taking care of those characters, so I'm thankful. Yeah, we don't have a lot of Ahsoka content, but I'm also thankful that, you know, you just cannot come in willy-nilly and do whatever you want with those characters without David Filoni. Uh, maybe it might be, you know, strangle a little bit of the creativity, but I, I also realized that everything that had featured Ahsoka, I really enjoyed, and it hasn't really, for me at least, you know, robbed his character of value. Like, David Filoni... I, I don't know. I'm just like I said. After Rise of Skywalker, I'm just I'm not, that. That's just me though, and that's just my perspective. Right. Well, so. you hate JJ right now, and you hate Rise of Skywalker, but he created Ray and Kylo Ren. Now you can say that it was Lawrence Kasdan, but you also don't love Lawrence Kasdan either. And so somebody that you don't like created Ray and Kylo Ren, who you do like. Uh, and I think we're seeing a reverse situation with that with Filoni. We love that he created Ahsoka, but it's starting to suck everything dry if they're not willing to do, you know, what needs to be done. And when he does something cool like time travel and then says, oh, it's not time travel and I'm limiting her powers. And he even said in a, uh, a panel Jedi Geek Girl that he wants to keep limiting Ahsoka's powers. And I'm going, Why? This is the exactly the character you don't want to keep limiting the powers. You want to keep unlimiting her powers. So I, I'm not even sure he he's thinking rationally about his own great characters at this point, which this happens with artists and writers all the time. And, uh, you know, I, just really quickly as a side note, Jay Giggle, because I brought this up with Simi's podcast um, about The Mandalorian, which was we've always assumed that uh, Filoni was there to kind of watch over Favreau when it came to Star Star Wars and Star Wars lore. I'm starting to think Favreau's there to watch over Dave Filoni. 
if they especially if they're grooming him to do live action movies and have take on bigger roles and so forth. I think Favreau was maybe there to look to Filoni. I don't like any of it, and so I you know I, I'm not giving anyone a ton of credit in that situation. Um, but I, I think David Filoni, um, you know, had one amazing idea having to do with Ahsoka. And most of, I think, if anything, what we're seeing with the legacy of the Clone Wars, and as the Clone Wars points out, uh, plays out, is actually we should be crediting George Lucas more. And it wasn't just Lucas throwing a few ideas out and Dave Filoni, you know, taking it from the 10 yard line all the way to the opposite, you know, 90 yards to the following, uh, uh, touchdown zone or whatever but that there's actually lucas had way more input into the interesting parts of what's going on feloni's obsessed with the soka and, and he now he's blinded by it and what are you gonna do i mean they let ek johnston write a book which was great but jaggy girl i have to say it you're the lore master outside of some forces of destiny stuff ahsoka has been in zero canon outside the cartoons and when you know that disney wants to print money and you know that ahsoka would print money because of how great she is whenever anyone's exposed to her. The only explanation is that they're holding her too close to the vest and they're not giving her enough exposure because of how protective they are of her. And now it's looking like with this series, they're going to be increasingly protective of her and only have her in a few episodes uh, and not, quote, overexpose her as if that were a bad thing or it was possible. With Ahsoka, and uh, it's making me a little upset. This isn't just sour grapes because I was wrong about episode nine. Um, and I think Ashley Eckstein is part of this equation as well. But I, I you know, I, look, I make my predictions on the screen, but also off the screen. And the prediction I've been starting to make the last month or two is that a combination of Filoni and Eckstein's possessiveness of Ahsoka is strangulating the the true potential that we could reach to that character. And whereas I thought we were going to get Ahsoka sooner rather than later in live action, I now think it's going to be later rather than sooner because they don't want to lose control of Ashley Eckstein doing the animated voice of Ahsoka and this is another example of Lucasfilm wasting opportunities and maybe going down the toilet and I hate to bring up the bigger issue Jiggy Crow. we're going to have plenty of time to talk about all of these episodes we got 11 more and they're going to keep getting better and better by the way I did like that it was a smaller squad level thing on this and they were fighting really almost hand to hand with the big ba- giant battle droids or, or whatever the destroyers in this one you know, it wasn't just sort of long-term fighting. Like, they were right up in their grill. I, I really liked, aesthetically, you know, from a war perspective. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm struggling to see the way forward with Lucasfilm and creativity with Star Wars. And what I saw tonight uh, with this week's episode of Clone Wars... Well, great. It doesn't give me any particular hope or optimism that they're headed in the right direction. And I think it's only Diego Luna's, uh, you know, uh, just joie de vivre and just willingness to do anything because he loves Star Wars that's going to make the Cassian series happen. But they have nothing else right now. They have literally nothing else. They've got no movies. The Obi-Wan series is on hold. And so even if this series is Emmy Award winning and the greatest thing ever where the Clone Wars returns, Star Wars has nothing else right now. And so I'm not really sure what to hold on to. So, number one, uh, 
I'm not going to say I'm completely with you, but I completely understand where you are right now. Even though I'm a little bit to the the left of center of you right now and some of the topics you are talking about, but I'm totally within you. Uh, number two, Ahsoka, which I, it should be in eight up to 12 episodes. Yes, that's not all of them, but at least, you know, it's not going to be just the final four. Okay, so that means and, episode uh, five, she does come in after the Bad Batch episodes, which would yes. be great. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because like I said, the second arc is supposed to be about her right after she leaves the Jedi Order and her discovering herself and finding friends and stuff like that. Uh, number two, you were talking about um, The Rise of Skywalker. Chris Terrio also wrote that, so it's not just the J.J. Abrams that I have a problem with. And Chris Terrio hasn't been... At least J.J. has somewhat kept his mouth shut. Chris Chris Terrio is just going around trying to explain everything and stuff like that. Uh, Number uh, number three, when you were talking about David Filoni and how maybe the real secret is George Lucas behind the Clone Wars and and stuff like that, I I was just thinking the same thing when you were talking about that, but I also also look at, like, okay, you also have Rebels, um, which which was David Filoni. Um, that's what I really love too. Way more than Clone Wars, yep. And 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 the next thing, number four is it really sucks because I don't want to get into it because with my comp with because of Rise of Skywalker, to me it proved a lot of the fan narratives that I argued and pushed against and I do have a feeling that besides nostalgia Disney slash the what current day Lucasfilm don't really have a grasp on Star Wars and the way forward and I am a little bit concerned with what you are with the the same that you are but I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic I think maybe that's a little bit more of a personality flaw where did this Jedi geek girl come from all of a sudden Star Wars is dead now now you're talking optimism to me this is amazing anyways Anyways, um, <laughs> I if, love if, if, it. If I, I need it because I'm not seeing it. I, I don't. I don't see the optimism. If the rumor is true about the High Republic era, I'm a little bit optimistic about it because that is an era that has never been explored before in Star Wars, even in Legends. And for those who didn't know, the high, allegedly the High Republic era takes place 300 to 400 play years before the Phantom Menace, and most of it took place in Legends a thousand years, which was the time of Bane, or before, though that time was never explored, even in Legends, so it is a time of opportunity, it's a time to see things like Jeddah as height, these planets that you see the ruins of, you get to see them at this height, you get to see the Jedi, quote-unquote, before their flaws, because, spoiler alert, the Jedi are very flawed, they're not, quote-unquote, the heroes of the story of the prequel trilogy, and you'll actually see real Jedi. Another one of my problems with Rise of Skywalker is you have voices of Jedi who are not Jedi, and, well, they are Jedi, but they're very flawed ideologically, so why are you trying to make them heroes when they're not the hero of the story, like Mitch Windu, yeah, he's not quote unquote the most heroic Jedi you want to be listening to. He shouldn't be but on anyway. the council. Of all the people, he should not be on the council. But but anyways, uh, I'm optimistic because hopefully this will be 
the problem with Lucasfilm is that they're too focused on nostalgia, in, in, in my opinion, when it comes to most materials. That's one of my problems yeah. with uh, The Mandalorian, and that's my biggest problem with Rise of Skywalker. So I'm optimistic that if the rumor is true and the Project Luminous announcement is tomorrow, so we don't know what that is about. But anyways, if it is true, I'm optimistic that, hey, this will finally be the break that Lucasfilm will need creatively to open up the box and create new stories and tell riveting stories without having to leave the as you can tell, I'm ranting without having them focus on nostalgia. But I also realize that if the rumor is true that they're planning to do a MCU approach, which is not Star Wars. Star Wars is not the MCU. Yes, it is connected, but it's not the MCU. So I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit optimistic, but I, I don't know. I'm just... As you can tell, I have a very... Just like you, I have very strong feelings. Even if I'm not... Even if I'm a little bit left of center of you on the topic, I, I feel like we are in the same boat. I just think everything that's great about Star Wars, in just if we look in the mo- if we look in last, let's let's take Last Jedi, Rogue One, and Rebels. Rebels. Yep. Um, uh, Je- Jedi Fallen Order. In Jedi Fallen Order, but let, just for the for the let's the, the first three. Let's just really quickly. Rogue One, uh, Last Jedi, and Rebels. What makes those properties great is not any particular plot twists or major, oh, I can't believe that happened. It's about the dialogue between the characters, the fleshing out of the worlds. You know what I mean? It's about character development. It's about dialogue. It's about acting, right? I mean, those are the best acted. I mean, Rebels is unbelievably voice acted. I love Clone Wars, guys, but I'm sorry to say, you know, the main six or seven characters of Rebels, it's like Emmy-level stuff for me, week to week uh, in Rebels. Um, And Ahsoka has that. In in, in 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 Clone Wars, but as much as I love Obi Wan and Anakin, it, it's not quite the same. And my point being, I, I I don't need them to jump to totally new eras and do totally new things. I just want them to have great dialogue and great characters. Um, but you know, the fact that the things that people liked or didn't like about the Mandalorian and or Rise of Skywalker have to do mostly with plot. I think is a problem with the fan base as much as with the creators. And if you had just made great dialogue and character interactions in Rise of Skywalker, Jedi Geek Girl, even if we didn't love the plot choices, if it had just been written better and acted better and, you know, in terms of the dialogue and so forth, we would have been happier with it just because it would have been a deeper, more interesting film. And Exactly. Exactly. And that's and how I feel I just, about The Last Jedi and, and why now I, you know, it's, it's bumped up again in my ratings of The Last Jedi is not that I particularly love s- some of the plot choices that I still don't love, I'm still never going to love, but the dialogue and the character interactions throughout are so excellent and interesting that it, it has to be high on my list. Obviously Rogue One is, but that's how I feel about Rebels as well. Clone Wars at its best is like that, and it looks like we're going to get that. And it looks like they're moving away. I mean, it, let's put it this way. You know, it, it, I, I think the Mandalorian was trying to be sort of Tarantino-esque in all of the wrong ways in just sort of being stylized violence. Um, and by the way, as I've said, you know, the Mandalorian was example A1 
of recycling Star Wars imagery over and over again with no real new newness um, or, or originality in the imagery. So you don't have great acting or writing, you don't have great shooting, and you don't have great new original imagery, then I'm not sure what you have. Uh, and certainly Rise of Skywalker even more fell into this category. And so I don't need any... I don't need Knights of the Old Republic, and I also need, don't need Ryan Johnson doing 5,000 years in the future. But they need to keep having interesting characters and interesting dialogue. And right now, I, I'm, you know, again, Clone Wars is going to get it because the, the team is back together and, and they're going to have great chemistry. As I said, it's not a very hard job to make this Clone Wars series good because we all know what we want. We want good, funny interactions with the main characters and then a lot of great actions among the good and bad characters. That's pretty much it, and they can make that happen. But now going forward, they're going to have to make more interesting uh, and, I would say, bold, gutsy decisions when it comes to this stuff. Sorry, go ahead. Exactly, and what you were saying is... I just got done recording my episode yesterday, which was Saturday at the time of this recording, my Rise of Skywalker episode, and I was saying the exact same thing. It's like the movie, for me personally, if it changed one or two more things, I would have bought it. I would have looked past the other things, and I'm with you. It needed better writing. I'm of the opinion that I could have gone through a couple more drafts, but we're not talking about the the Rise of Skywalker, but... bringing it back on to the focus of this episode because this is the most realist episode I think we've had on Star Wars and maybe the most passionate. But anyways, it, it it's nice to have content like that and it's going to be brief and you absolutely right on all the points that you're making. But for me, it, it's a throwback to five years ago when it was seven years ago when the clone was what eight years ago, ten years ago when the Clone Wars was still on television and it's nice, even if it's for a time being, being put into that situation and seeing that conclusion and even though, like I said the, the, the clones are not at the top of my list, but this episode was so damn good and the characters were so fun and it was exciting, it, it was an action packed episode, yeah, but it also felt like you, it was, it had good character, characters, it had good dialogue, all these things Rise of Skywalker did not have and this it, it's, it's, it's nice being excited for Star Wars content and looking forward to the continuation of the story next mm-hmm. week and like I said, I'm just so happy because like I said, if it wasn't okay, so full full reasoning here. One of the reasons why I came back to Star Wars is the cancellation of Star Wars Destiny, and I wanted to fulfill my obligation. Well, I promised that I would be here for the end, and I was hoping to take some time away, and because the game was announced to end of its ending, I decided to come back and finish it out. Um, as thank you to the game and the community, because a year later, I wasn't going to be able to come back to that and because I came back to that that brought me back into Star Wars but on the Star Wars side of things watching the Clone Wars it makes me not really fall in love but it's refreshing to see something so good and something so wonderful that it creates this passion in me and like I said I'm, I'm so excited and I'm always I'm looking forward to doing Star Wars so Absolutely, absolutely. It's great to have you back on talking Star Wars as much as I love talking Witcher, and I hope to talk more Witcher 
in the future. Uh, in fact, you have made the semi-promise sort of destiny next month, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be next weekend. I don't know in my um, uh, audiobook news. I think that news uh, the second or third. So, yeah, we'll look for an episode for that in two weeks. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, properties like The Witcher throw the gauntlet down in Star Wars to step up their game. And there's a ton of other imaginative shows out there that I don't watch because I'm not cultured enough that are also doing the, the similar things. You know, I mean, some people might argue that Stranger Things is a challenge to Star Wars in terms of creativity. I don't know, you know, in terms of creating universes, create, you know, in creative spaces. Uh, and so forth. I do know, Jedi Geek Girl, that Netflix and Amazon continue to kick the shit out of Star Wars now, or I'm sorry, out of Disney Plus. Now, I know The Clone Wars is looking awesome, but again, with lack of any knowledge or promise of great Star Wars in the near future, and we, and I know WandaVision looks great, and I'm excited about it, and some of these other shows look okay with Marvel. At the, at the moment, Netflix and Amazon Prime are not particularly threatened by the, you know, quote-unquote, original programming of uh of Disney. It'll be interesting to see if the sort of self-cannibalization and stagnation of lack of creativity within Disney in general, not just Star Wars but Disney in general, if that begins to happen on a mass scale with Disney Plus and leads uh I mean we're never going to get Disney's downfall. I guess what I'm saying saying Jedi Geek Girl is as hard as I am on Filoni and so forth, it's possible there's a, you know, a Disney-wide malaise right now, despite all the money. You know, look, Rise of Skywalker did bad, but Mandalorian did great in terms of reception, and obviously the Avengers movies are making tons of money and always get great reviews. But it's possible that they are concerned or should be concerned about lack of creativity and lack of diversity. Not in the strict sense of diversity, but in just in terms of ideas. And that's why they're pushing up shows like WandaVision, which are actually different. And we get something like Jessica Jones, which was five fucking years ago, and we haven't had anything as bold and ballsy as Jessica Jones season one since five fucking years ago. Um, you know, and we had Rogue One four years ago and Last Jedi three years ago. So those are three. Disney, give us some more bold properties, you know? Um, and I, I think that's an issue here. I think that's absolutely an issue. Um, and with the Disney Plus service where they are not going to put Deadpool and Logan on it, 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 you know, I mean, that's a big problem because you can say fuck and have sex and talk about adult issues on Netflix and Amazon and you can't on Disney right now. Um, and you know what? The, Disney, uh, <laughs> the Clone Wars and Rebels have always been more violent and more adult than any of the live action stuff. And if you guys want to challenge me that somehow Rise of Skywalker is more adult and mature than Star Wars Rebels and uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, I will have that debate with you any day. Exactly. And you make a very good point here. And I think that might have to do with the size of Disney. It seems like all the content they that they got to put out or they want to put out is very safe. Like you look at Disney Plus lineup, if you look at the original series, you look at all the major releases, they are either Star Wars or Marvel. You look at Amazon, you look at Netflix, even Hulu, which is partly owned, but more majority owned by Disney. Supposedly, you look yeah. at 
Yeah, you see all these other streaming services. You have Stranger Things. You have Richard that is based on a book. Yes, but it's it's new when it comes to the American culture. You have Orange is the Black, which is just finished up. You have all these original new series on these other streaming devices with Disney. They are so big, it seems like they can't take the risk, even though they're perfectly capable of doing it. So they fall back on all these safe things. And which brings me back to Star Wars is the part of the problem is, and you just got them saying it, I, if I may oversimplify, that they are too safe. And, and, and it's, it really sucks because, yeah, you can focus on Marvel and Star Wars as your headline features for your streaming devices, but that doesn't mean that you have to take this safe right, sorry, safe route, uh, and it, it's very boring, and, and you make a lot of good points. So I'm going to give my final thought. I knew this first one was going to be a bit longer because we're going to get more Bad Batch and we're going to talk each week and we knew this one was going to get started and we had to lay the groundwork for what came before with the Clone Wars and what's coming after with Star Wars. So this is exactly, kind, actually exactly what I wanted in terms of content. So I'll give my final thought. I'll give you final thought. But Jedi Geek Girl, going back to Jedi Fallen Order... I've said, look, I don't really like The Mandalorian, and I hated Rise of Skywalker, but I actually came out of last year okay with Star Wars because I got Jedi Fallen Order. And that was 30 hours or so of absolute glorious, great Star Wars storytelling and fun, which is way more, even if I had seen Rise of Skywalker five times and watched The Mandalorian twice, that still would have been less time than all the greatness of Jedi Fallen Order. You know, I'm just being purely practical here. And so, for me, Jedi Fallen Order was enough to give Star Wars overall a thumbs up last year, despite two properties that I really, really didn't like. That's how much I liked Jedi Fallen Order. I know you're just starting Horizon Zero Dawn, but you love Zelda and you love games. My final thought, Jedi Geek Girl, is when you look at the PlayStation exclusives like Horizon and God of War and Uncharted and The Last of Us with Last of Us 2 coming out, Life is Strange, games like this, I think video games are doing narrative storytelling so much better, and when you get so many hours of it and you get to interact being the characters in The Witcher 3, for God's sakes, you know? I, I mean, it was... Uh, <laughs> it, 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 uh, with a, a, a rejuvenation now with, with The Witcher going on and so forth. I, I, you know, everyone's talking about the debate between television and movies, but for me, the, I mean, if you look at the numbers, video games are making more than television and film combined. And the best of the video games are telling better stories. And so I'm wondering whether it, Star Wars should actually take the further leap of not just going from film to television, but actually investing more in stories like Jedi Fallen Order in the video game model. Because that's something that I invest my money in, invest my time in, and absolutely... Uh, let me put it this way, Jake Curl. I know you agree with this, but I'm just going to say it... <laughs> It's not that it's a perfect game, but it doesn't feel... Uh, there's not much that feels much more Star Wars than something like Jedi Fallen Order. And it's not a coincidence that it's a video game. That's my final thought. I'll give you whatever final thought you want. I agree, 100%. And I'm with you. Jedi Fallen Order was so fantastic. I don't know if you saw my post on Twitter where I gave my top 10 canon yes. stories yep. of Star Wars since 2014. Since Will the you read it for the listeners? Because it's a great list. Sure, I gotta pull it up here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and while I pull it up here, I yeah. would like to say that, did you hear that 
Jedi Fallen Order 2 is supposedly supposedly in production? Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, uh, we talked when we did our Jedi Fallen Order podcast and I gave my little hi- um, video game history about Respawn Entertainment being an independent studio that and Electronic Arts who's normally a horrible horrible big video game company, but they smartly bought Respawn for a lot of money because they recognized how talented they were. Respawn went on to make Apex Legends, which was an unbelievably and continues to be an unbelievably successful, uh, you know, Fortnite type game. But more so, they then gave the Star Wars license to Respawn to save it because they knew if they fucked up the Star Wars license, that was it for Electronic Arts and the Star Wars license. And they nailed it. And everyone, we know, Jedi Geek Girl, you and I, that people and Lucasfilm were thrilled with Jedi Fall in order i had not heard that they had greenlit number two but if they didn't then it would be stupid the only thing i will say is i hope they make it more horizon-ish in terms of open world uh, but i think they're gonna get there they didn't want to go crazy with the first game it's gonna be more open world with the second and i can't wait to play it oh man Woo! all right so quickly this is the post i made uh, february 18th on twitter at jedi geek girl my top 10 canon post 2014 reset, so like no Empire Strikes Back, no original yes. Clone Wars yes. stories so far are, my first honorable mention, and only honorable mention, is the second Darth Vader series, the one created by Charles So. Number 10 was the Ahsoka novel. Number 9 was Bloodline. Please feel free to check all these out. Number 8 is everything tied to Dr. Aphra. The short Dr. Aphra story, the Dr. Aphra main Love series, the first me. Vader series. Yes, Rebels, Rogue One, for uh, Rebels for number seven, Rogue One for number six, Doctor Disciple for number five, number four, Lost Stars, number three, Dooku Jedi Fallen Order, number two, Jedi, oh, sorry, number three, Dooku Jedi Lost, number two, Jedi Fallen Order, and number one, come on, you know which one it is. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. The only thing I would add to that is, um, uh, um, Bloodline. Oh, bl- Bloodline is number nine. Oh, you had Bloodline. I'm sorry, you had Bloodline number nine. Yeah, but Bloodline is tainted because it's so much cooler than any other material that we ended up getting from that time period, unfortunately. And it just proves that Leia makes anything interest. Like you know, I mean, it. Like, let's be honest. We love Kylo Ren. Take Leia and Han out of the equation, it's somewhat less, interest, less interesting, you know? And so, even the things that were interesting about episode 7, 8, and 9 from, like, a sort of chronological lore standpoint, we're still connected to the old trilogy, but also some great performances. It's a shame. Would, it's a damn shame. Yeah, go ahead. I would like to say that, yes, Rogue, I have to address this. Yes, Rogue One is number six, but I love the heck out of that film. It's so and just yeah. just because it's number six on my list doesn't mean it is oh, worse than anything above. It's just my personal attachment and passion. But yeah, so... Because I know Rogue One has to be really far up there for you. Probably number two or three for you. Well, well, or number one. Even. I don't know. I would have to think about the sort of ways in which you categorized your list uh, in terms of coming up with mine. Again, my main thing about Rogue One is I don't know if it's the best Star Wars movie. I just happen to think it is the best in my favorite movie set in the Star Wars universe. It's also the best cast and acted movie in the Star Wars universe. And me being a film guy, that's what it really comes down to. But I 
also it. think it comes between, do you think Rogue One constricts the universe by telling us a story we didn't need to hear, or it expands it by giving us characters like Chirrut and Baze and, and Bodhi and stuff, and, 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 and Saw Gerrera. Obviously, I fall on the, the category of, yes, it's about the Death Star plans, but for me, it actually expands the universe in a way we're not getting in other properties. I think whenever you tell a story in a confined time frame or a confined setting that it gives opportunity to grow the story a different way and I think because the story of Rogue One is so fixed. You have Rebel Spy steal the Death Star plans you have the opportunity for the characters to grow and be attached and you have the opportunity to grow the story in a different way into the epicness and yeah it's just and it, there's nothing wrong i know you're a very critical odyssey type of guy you like you said you, you look at these films you look at them through a film lens there's nothing wrong with adding a bit of subjectivity to what you like in my opinion because you know i tend to lead that way lean that way so yeah, no, my, my, my critic, my, obviously my critiques, and we'll have to wrap this up. My critiques of the prequels have gone way down over the years, but it's mostly because I, I've realized how much amazing world building it's done. But Clone Wars, to wrap it all around, Clone Wars is what made me realize how much amazing world building the prequels did. I still stand by the fact that it told a story of Anakin Skywalker in a length and a way that we did not necessarily need. And that's, to me, what what feels like constricting the universe is way too much information about Anakin that doesn't always add up. But again, the Clone Wars helps bring it all together. But the general world building, including Jar Jar Binks and midichlorians, neither of which I have a problem with, I think is interesting uh, from the prequels. And so from a straight world-building standpoint, I'm here to tell you, Jedi Geek Girl, I will say it. I've said it on the podcast since December, and I'll say it again. I far prefer the vision of the prequels to Rise of Skywalker, if for no other reason than just opening up the universe to creativity as opposed to constricting it and just shoving... It's like, you know, the Rise of Skywalker is like, oh, these are your two favorite dishes? I'm going to make ten portions of your two favorite dishes. As opposed to, okay, these are your two favorite dishes? I'm going to make ten dishes you've never had before, and you're probably not going to like most of them. This is the prequels. But at least they're different, and they're from around the world, and they're kind of exotic. Whereas Rise of Skywalker is like, oh, you like turkey and gravy? Here's 5,000 pounds of turkey and gravy, right? I mean, that's basically what it was. Exactly. And I have to say this before we wrap yes. up here. So was your pun intended when you said portions? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I was thinking about the other day, which is Ray is so skinny. So is a quarter portion for Ray the same as a quarter portion for Uncar Plot? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's like a like food serving sizes. You know what I'm saying? Well, because I think what's interesting is him stiffing her on, on the payment isn't sexist, it's bodyist. Because he knows that her little body can survive on a quarter portion, right? Whereas if she were Finn or, or Poe, you know, big muscular guys, they couldn't survive on a quarter portion. So he's, he's, I, he's being bodyist against Ray. 
I, I never thought about it. I look at it as his way of controlling her. If I bypassed the compressor! That's what I missed. J.J. Abrams, you screwed up. When you had, I bypassed the compressor, you had me. You had me with Ray with I bypassed the compressor, and then you screwed it up. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 we, we yeah. could rant all night about well, I would, Skywalker, but I, I do want to say yeah, that yeah. I looked at it as his way of keeping her underneath her, yes. underneath his control, yes. and I don't want to get political or anything, but you can look at it very simply as how you keep people in control, you keep them reliant on you. How do you keep mm-hmm. them reliant on you? Mm-hmm. You make sure they have to come to you for the basic necessities, and if Ray has to bring these parts to him, which he is turning around and making money off of, if he gives her a small portion, she has to do more work which makes more profit for him mm-hmm. so that's the way I look at it. it it was his way of keeping her in check so she would always bring him things that he would make money off of and where she couldn't just you know slack off for a week because she has enough portions Look, when J.J. did the Star Trek reboot in 09, he nailed every single Star Trek character. And when he did the second one, Into Darkness, he screwed everybody up. When J.J. did Force Awakens, he nailed every single character. And then when he did the second one, he screwed it all up. I don't know what that says, but it's certainly a trend that we're seeing with J.J. Abrams. Now, I've said that this is making me reconsider Force Awakens. I still think I love Force Awakens. And guys, I would redirect you to listen to all three of my Force Awakens commentaries. My what solo one I did around the time of Rogue One, which was interesting because that was the first time I really liked Force Awakens and started getting into it. And then I did it with Jay Geeker, and then I did it with Simi. But Years and I is great because you really liked Force Awakens, but you had a new appreciation for it, and we had tons of fun just laughing, but also getting emotional with the Kylo stuff, and, you know, Ray and Kylo, and Kylo and Han and everything. And it is kind of a great movie. And, you know, guys, this is an example of, you know, even good directors like J.J. Abrams or whatever can make really good movies and make really bad movies. And we have to be able to separate uh, between the two. In my opinion, that that's how I treat it. But really quickly, Jackie Girl, we got to get out of here. But I will say... Uh, in terms of the political themes, guys, I didn't get into it tonight because we had too much to cover, but George Lucas has always worked in themes having to do with the Vietnam War, the Cold War, democracy, um, you know, dictatorships, all sorts of political themes. He's a very progressive guy. Sorry if you're a Republican out there. George Lucas is not. Um, and he's a big believer in democracy and the power of the people, and he's an anti-war advocate. Um, and so Jedi Geek Girl, I think with the next three episodes of The Bad Batch, we'll have a lot of time. I'll get more political than you, but we'll have a lot of time to talk about some of George Lucas's political ideals and how the clones really represent the best of, you know, of us, even though they're not quote unquote people. Absolutely. And that's what the great thing about that. And I would like to say, addressing a couple of things you brought up. Number one, that is why. Rise of Skywalker hurt so much after the Force Awakens, and number two, 
the Into the Darkness I have not seen since it came out, so I have to reserve judgment on that film. But I will say that because of that film, I did go back and I watched Wrath of Khan for the first time, and I absolutely adore that film. That film is great, in my opinion. So I, I guess that is the best thing that came out of that movie for me, but I can't say if it's good or bad. I, I will say that because it's been so long, and I if I say one way or another, it wouldn't be a fair shake because I barely remember it, unlike the first one which I saw multiple times but I did go back and I did see Rafa Khan and 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 last thing uh I, I'm so excited for the Clone Wars especially after Rise of Skywalker because the, the Rise of Skywalker hurt a lot and that the Clone Wars for me has been healing and I said it on Twitter it is so nice seeing new Star Wars content that everybody loves at least and in my opinion at least like 90% of people love it and it's and it's nice and it's not like the Mandalorian which to me is basically I don't want to call it a fad but it's like Baby Yoda and then that's it yeah I'm done with Baby Yoda I'm done with the Mandalorian I've been done with it for a long time you know, I, I'm going to be the guy when everyone looks back on The Mandalorian and says it's not that good of a show that says I, I was said it wasn't that good of a show. But it's balanced out by the fact that I was convinced there was no way Episode Nine would be bad. So, you know, I, 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 I eat crow as well as my... Uh, as well as my successes in prophecy. Final question, Jenna Geek Girl, to tie it all together. A fun question. Okay. Where is Yennefer in your power rankings in terms of power set? Like, who could Yennefer take on in the Jedi uh, Star Wars world, realistically, do you think? Oh my god, that that's a very loaded question, because obviously I've only seen the first season of The Witcher, and I just read her. the first book. I, I do love her. I do think that... It, part of me is like she's strong. It's, she doesn't have the, in my opinion, the restraints of Jedi would. So in my opinion, that would put her a little bit above it. She reminds me of the Night Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I would probably put her above the Night Sisters. But, but like I said, it's just, I don't want to answer that question just because my knowledge of her isn't as in depth as yours and I'm still discovering the character and if I feel like if I say that I would put her just you know uh, above Night Sisters but obviously below the Empire Emperor I, I think that might be unfair just because I don't know a lot about it but that is where I'm I, in my head I'm leaning but I fully commit to that idea while realizing that my knowledge is very limited of her, but I absolutely love her to death, and I love the Night Sisters, so, I mean, you can see why, I, if I like one, why I would like the other. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my easy number one, no questions asked, waifu crush of 2019 was the Night Sister from Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, there's no question. I fell in love with her immediately and was so excited to have her be my teammate. Spoiler alert, guys. Uh, She's fucking amazing. Um, The Night Sisters is a great comparison in terms of the Sorceress's Lodge, which we're going to see more of with Franchella and Triss and all the the Enchantresses and so forth. Yennefer is on another level. She could compete with the best of them. Uh, But in terms of complexity, I know her and Ahsoka are totally different, 
But I, I want to know who do we have in terms of female powerful females that are active that we're going to get more of in the Star Wars world right now more than I'm not going to say Siri because we haven't gotten Siri from next season yet so that's fine but more than Yennefer I, you know I, I don't know who we have other than Ahsoka that can compete with that level of complexity you know she she reminds me and obviously you know more about her than I do but she reminds me of Ventress a little bit yeah 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 mm-hmm yep Yep, there's definitely some connections there. So, okay, we'll get back to that. Janky Girl, this was great. Um, and uh, I knew this one would go longer, but I can't wait for the weekly updates. And uh, you and I will talk off mic about how we want to do the next three episodes because we know it's, uh, you know, it's a one of these four-episode arcs, which, let's be honest, they really mastered how to do these sort of three- to five-episode arcs in the Clone Wars. Absolutely. So... But once we get our girl Ahsoka back, then I'll, I'll, no uh, holds barred, all bets are off in terms of how long the podcast is going to be, right? I mean, the second Ahsoka shows her face, you and me, you know, I mean, Simi's going to be, he's already losing sleep over it. it we're all going to lose our mind when Ahsoka comes back into all of this. It, we love the clones. The Bad Batch is great. But let's be honest, that's the big show. It will be so nice having her back into our lives again. Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 she and she was back in our lives with the Clone Wars. Yes. But after season two, you know, you could argue that she was. Yeah, she was in the spoiler alert, the season, the series finale, as well as the World Between Worlds. But she wasn't. I mean, she wasn't the main character. She was in most of the episodes of season two, and she was a part of that. The, the 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 part of the best episode Twilight of the Apprentice, but she wasn't the main character, so it, it is so nice having Ahsoka back proper. And speaking of which, Lucasfilm, if you are listening and you are having trouble with the Obi-Wan script because you don't like the story, I have the story. I've written the Obi-Wan story like three years ago with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. So call me Email me. I've got the dialogue. I've got the perfect story on Tatooine with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka with you and McGregor. That's going to be spectacular. And you're having story problems. Hit me up. Jedi Geek Girl, spread the word. Paul Herman and Tim Jirasi and my friends from the saga continues. I know you guys are listening. Please, please, please put me in touch with Lucasfilm. Not because I want to be famous and work for Star Wars, which is part of it, because I actually have the story that you're looking for. This is the Star Wars story that you're looking for, Jedi Geek Girl. Yeah, I, I don't know how to follow that one up. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Uh, plug, if you want. Sure. You can find my podcast all about I Rebel. You can find my podcast everywhere at I Rebel Destiny. Facebook.com slash Destiny, Twitter.com slash Destiny, Instagram.com slash Destiny, where we talk about Star Wars Destiny. We are back, baby. And after yeah. we conclude with Star Wars Destiny, we're moving on to Star Wars proper. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. And you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl. And I am so back to, I'm so proud to be back talking about Star Wars. However, I'm also proud to be into the Witcher because of you exploring new things mm. and diving into other things. So, yep. yeah, you can find me everywhere at Jedi Geek Girl and my podcast everywhere at 
I rebel a Star Wars Destiny podcast. They just announced the, all the new major castings today, uh, who are all basically witchers uh, and or other enchantresses. And they're like all, uh, not necessarily all people of color, but they're all international folks from around the world. It, and this cast just keeps getting better and better and better. And so Star Wars... You know what? Having a few more people of color uh, in front of the camera and behind it might not be the worst idea. Uh, Lucasfilm, give us a Dr. Affociate, please. And uh, on behalf of Kelly Marie Tran, fuck you. (laughs) Touche. She was treated as a a queen at the Oscars, as she should have been. You screwed it up, Lucasfilm. She's the best thing you had going for you. Sorry, Daisy Ridley. Sorry, John Boyega. Kelly Marie Tran's the best thing. You screwed it up. You ruined it. You're cowards. Okay, I got it out. Jake Curl, I know we agree on this. Thank you so much for being on and cannot wait to do this again next week. I agree. Thank you so much. God bless and may the force be with you. This will cast out. Yum, yum. Oh, oh. 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 O